One of the greatest blessings of having guest preachers is uh, not just the preaching, but the opportunity that I have to spend time with men of God who are further down the road in the ministry that, uh, that, that I am. And I always want to spend time with people who have already succeeded at uh, something that I'm trying to succeed at. Somebody who can tell me not just theory. You know, I think if you tried this, this, this would work. But somebody who can tell me authoritatively by experience, this is what has worked for me. And God has blessed it. And to get to spend time with Dr. Williams is just tremendous. And I've enjoyed it. It's been a great blessing to me this week. But i tell you one of, the, one of the many things that convicts my heart just being around him is he's 30 years older than I am. And he has a tremendous drive for the Lord all the time. He has a tremendous, he is driven to pray. He is driven to represent the Lord well. He is driven to share the gospel. He is driven to live for Jesus Christ every minute of every day. And I look at him And if he were my peer, I would want to be as driven as he is. But he's not. He's 30 years older than than I'm supposed to have more energy than he does. I'm supposed to have more drive than he does. And I look at him and I say, God, I don't just pray that I'll be as driven to live for Jesus when I'm 82 as he is. I want to be as driven to live for Jesus now as he is. And I look at him and I say, Lord... Help me to be driven to live for Jesus all the time when I feel like it and when I don't. Help me to be driven. I'm talking about driven from within to live for Jesus on the good days. Hey, it's easy on the good days, but on the bad days. Driven to live for Jesus when I'm encouraged. When I'm discouraged, when I'm healthy, when I'm sick, when it seems like all my problems are, are, are distant or when the problems are right in my lap. Help me to be driven to live for you all the time, driven to go to the place of prayer and pray with passion, driven to worship you, driven to give a track to the, to the person that I'm, that I'm dealing with. Driven to show the peace of God and the love of Christ and the joy of the Lord. Listen, I'm not just giving a speech here. I'm saying to you, I want to be driven to live for Jesus all of the time. And I look at a man of God like Dr. Williams and I say, man, he is driven. Do you not, Christian? Listen, we're not talking about a a rock and roll faith. We're not talking about a pop culture faith. We're talking about Bible discipleship. Christian, do you not have the desire in your heart to be constantly driven? Let me be more specific. I really get worried about myself at those times, and by the grace of God, they're rare. But they still concern me those times where I look at myself and I look at my heart and I say, you know what, I really don't feel like going into the place of prayer today. I really don't feel like digging in the Word today. I really don't feel like 
exploring the truths of the Word of God today. Now, by the grace of God, that's not often, but I'd be lying if I said it never happens. And when it does, I get real concerned about myself. I say, hey, how come I don't have the passion and the drive for God 24 hours, seven days a week? Now, look, I know the answer is because I still have a sinful flesh and we're not home yet and praise the Lord when we get to heaven, all those things will be fixed. I understand that, but listen, I still want to work on myself. On the top of my prayer list every day, From the book of Colossians, I pray, God, work mightily in me today. Colossians chapter 1, I don't have the exact verses, but there's a series of verses right there that clearly teach that the most important thing, if I'm going to do God's will, if I'm going to enter in to the eternal work of God, the most important thing that can happen today is for God to work mightily in me. And so as I seek for God to work on me, one of the things that concerns me is if this turns turns out to be one of those rare days where I just don't feel like it, I want to do it anyway. I want to be driven to do it anyway. Okay. So that brings us to the text here. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. (coughs) For the love... Of Christ constraineth us. Now, constraineth has a lot of good synonyms. And one of the great synonyms of the word constrain is drive. The love of Christ drives me. So there it is. I can be driven by the love of Christ so that I will praise him when I feel like it, but I will praise him when I don't. By the way, the test of your praise is if you praise him when you don't feel like it. Anybody can praise him when they feel like it. The test of your obedience is if you obey when you feel like it. The test of your relationship with the Bible, and I'm not just talking about reading some some, um, verses and checking off some boxes. I'm talking about your relationship with the word of God. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, do the words of Christ abide in you? You have to have a relationship with the Word of God. You need to love it. You need to read Psalm 119 and say, man, am I in love with the Word of God like David was in Psalm 119. And to be honest with you, Psalm 119 doesn't say that it was penned by David. But when I look at the people of the Bible and the relationship that David had with God, I don't see how it could be anybody else but David that penned Psalm 119. You read that. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. And you read that wonderful chapter about the word of God. Say, do I have a relationship with my Bible like the psalmist did? If I am driven by the love of Christ... I will even when I don't feel like it. If I'm driven by the love of Christ, I'll pour myself into my ministry even when I don't feel like it. If I'm driven by the love of Christ, I will show up to 
the assembly, to church, and not just spectate, but participate. Boy, Monday night was, was awesome, and every, every service this week was fantastic, and thank you so much for coming out, and the room was full every night, and I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But there was something extra special about Monday night, and I'll tell you what made it so special is so many people participated. When you participate, it adds something not only to what everybody else gets, but what, to, what you get out of it, participation. Participation, like, um, and I realize everybody can't sit in the front row, but I appreciate you folks that do fight to sit in the front. Well, fight. I hope you didn't, like, physically hurt anybody. But those of you who say, man, I'm, I'm getting in the front. That's participation. Do you, do I? Do I participate just when I feel like it or do it all the time? Do I do it all the time because the love of Christ drives me? Now, let's pick this apart, and it won't take long here, but I want you to see this. First of all, he introduces this thought, the love of Christ constraineth me. Now, I want you to notice those next four words, because we thus judge. Now, stop right there. We're going to break down what we judge, but the word there, judge, consider. We understand. So don't miss this. The love of Christ drives me because of what we understand. So consider this. We are motivated. We are driven by understanding. We are driven by thinking, by meditating, by pondering. You're familiar with the statement the psalmist made, while I was musing, my heart burned. If you want a passionate relationship with Christ, it begins by how you think. Oh, a Sunday afternoon, and I'm sure you have plans. I'm sure you have things you have to get done. But I'll tell you, there's nothing greater that you can find. And, and you know, I've, I've talked about the weather a little bit this morning, that it's easy to love him on the beautiful days and not so easy uh, to, to, to experience his love on the rainy days. But the fact is, don't miss a beautiful day like this. And the quiet. And I've been finding places all over Danbury and Brewster where I live. And I'm always looking for places where I can go and just enjoy the quiet. i got quite a list of places. I'll share it with you, but I better not see you there, okay? The places where I can go, and sometimes I'll pull out a, a uh, lawn chair. And that's not a lawn chair or whatever those things are, collapsible hunting chair. Sometimes I'll just sit in a car. Sometimes I'll go sit in a park bench and just soak in the beauty that God has put in his creation and just meditate. Think about God. Think about his power. Before I pray or spend any time with God on any given day, I go to the place that I've told you about. I go to the place where I've brought many of you men in the Danbury prayer meeting, and I go there and I just take a few minutes Let God know how awesome he is. Let God know that the rest of my day is going to be built upon the foundation of how awesome he is. I will praise thee. I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly be praised. His greatness is unsearchable.
You will be driven by God's love, by understanding and thinking and meditating and pondering. The love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ drives us. Because we thus judge, because Paul, again, Paul says, because I've been thinking about it, because I've come to understand this, I'm driven by the love of Christ. All right, but let's look at what he was driven by. These are not four points. These are four parts of a great truth. I want you to notice, first of all, we judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. What is he saying there? (laughs) He's saying, first thing I understand about the love of Christ... We know Jesus died for everyone. And if he died for everyone, that means we were all sentenced to death. If you're not sentenced to death, if you're not in jeopardy of death, if somebody gives their life, if a soldier gives his life, For his country. That means his country is in jeopardy. If a fireman goes into a building and saves the life of somebody that's in there and he in the process gives his life, he did so because the person in the building was in jeopardy. When someone dies for someone else, it means that that someone else was in danger of dying. And the fact that the Bible says that If one died for all, Jesus died for all, that means that we were all as good as dead. So notice, first of all, that he says, I'm driven by Christ's love when I realize, number one, that Jesus had to die for me. Oh, I don't mean that he had no choice but to die for me. I mean that if he didn't die for me, I was dead. I'm driven by the love of Christ when I realize that I needed Jesus to die for me. But then he says in verse 15, and that he died for all. Not just that we needed him to die for us, but that he did die for us. So Jesus had to die for me. He did die for me. And now get this. That they which live, because he died for them, should not henceforth live unto themselves. That means that I come to the realization that since if it were not for Jesus, I'd be dead. And I'm only living because of Jesus. I'm going to live for the one who died for me. How self-centered is it For us who were dead in trespasses and sins and Jesus comes along and delivered us and says, here you are. You got your life back. You have hope back because I died for you. You've got your future back because I died for you. How grossly rebellious and selfish of of us is it to take that marvelous gift of Jesus dying for us and then going on our way, living for ourselves? So he says that he died for all that they which live as a result of him dying for all should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto him which died for them. So Jesus had to die for me. 
Jesus did die for me. I am living only because of Jesus. And then it says, notice, and rose again. Now those three simple words remind me that in Jesus, there is no death. Listen, Christian, death is no more a part of your future. Death is no longer, guys in the back, listen up. Death is no more. It is no longer a part of your life story. Death is dead. The Bible says he led captivity captive. He took bondage and put it in bondage. He took death and killed it. It says he rose again. Wow, think of, think of all the potential that belongs to someone who can be put to death and then walk out. Walk out of that grave. Say, man, I wish I had that power through Jesus Christ. You do. That is your life story now. That is your future. That is your eternity. So, the love of Jesus drives me because I consider this, that I needed Jesus to die for me, that Jesus did die for me, and that I'm living only because of Jesus, and in Jesus there is no death. That's your life now. That's what you have. That's who you are. That is your future. All right, let's break down these four things very quickly. If one died for all, then we're all dead. That's my need. And that he died for all. That's God's mercy. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. That's God's grace. And rose again. That's my future. Let's look at it again. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. That's my desperation. You know why we don't appreciate our salvation like we should? We don't ponder how desperate we were. The poor man in his sins was desperate, but the wealthy man in his sins is desperate also. The educated man in his sins is desperate. The uneducated man in his sins is desperate. We're not, when it comes to how desperate we are in our sins, we are not divided by class. We are not divided by background. We are not divided by gender. We are not divided by race. We are, every one of us in our sins is desperate, hopeless. So it says if one died for all, that means all were dead. That's our desperation. And that he died for all, that's our redemption. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. That's our privilege. It is a privilege to live for the one who died for you. Why do we resent the Savior so? Why do we resent him so? He died for you. He died for me. How do I dare get so angry at him? How do I dare live one moment ashamed of him? He died to take me out of my desperate situation. And rose again. That's our opportunity, our eternal opportunity. Notice again, Jesus had to die for me. I needed him to die for me. That's my despair. 
Jesus did die for me, that he died for all. That's my deliverance. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died. That's my devotion. My devotion. I've t- and I, I, don't, I don't mean to... Um, <coughs> What, what Jesus did for us in any way. But I can't help but think of our dog, Rocky, that uh, passed away a year and a half ago. My kids begged for us to get a dog, and uh, we didn't want one. And Theo has reminded us why we didn't want one. But anyway, <laughs> we, just, we just, you know. But they were, how old was Cat? Third grade, so she was the oldest. She was third grade, and it, please, please, please. Well, Anthony Finelli caught wind that we were in the market for a dog, according to Catherine, and uh, he found some folks who were trying to get rid of the dog. The fact is, this dog was in uh, in Westchester, Lower Westchester, and Anthony had done some work at their house, and uh, the mom had said, "Man, we got this dog, and the kids just, you know." He's been he's been beaten before we got him, and he he was uh, abused, and now they leave him out all night. He doesn't get fed, and he keeps trying to get away. And so, anyway, long story short, I agreed to go down and get him. It was forty five minutes from the house, and I drove down there. I met Anthony and met the met the owner, and they turned Rocky over. And uh, Rocky got up in in the van, and he stayed right up close to me. I brought him home to the house, and. Um, Sat down in the chair, and I was just going to wait until the the uh, Amy was bringing the kids home from school. We were going to school in Wallingford at that time, and so they're all coming home. And I I don't remember if you knew that I had them or not, but uh, I knew they'd be excited either way. So I sat down in the living room to wait for them, and Rocky got up in my lap. And he was already a good sized dog. He got up in my lap, and he was shaking like a leaf. He was he was so nervous. And uh, they came in, and I thought, well, that's, that's the end of that. I don't even have to see this guy anymore. I'm not a dog hater, but I just have better things to do, you know. And so, uh, but you ask any member of my family. I showed him very little affection, gave him very little attention, but he treated me like I was the king of the world. It didn't matter who was, was showing him affection and attention. If, if I even just gave a nod in his direction, he came running. Why? Because I was his deliverer. Until the day he died, he saw me as his deliverer. That's a silly illustration. Why is it that a dog can understand what, it, what believers cannot understand? Jesus died for you. He delivered you from your desperate circumstances. How can I not be driven by the love of Christ, knowing what he did for me? So, one died for all. We were all dead. That was my despair. That he died for all. That was my deliverance. That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. That's my devotion. And rose again. That's my destiny. Life eternal. And all that comes with it. I say to you this morning, 
I want to be driven. Do you ponder every day the love of Jesus Christ for you? When you feel like it and when you don't? When you're in a good mood and when you're not? When you're healthy, when you're sick? When it's beautiful weather outside and when it's nasty weather outside, do you ponder? When your circumstances are good and when they're bad, do you ponder Christ's love for you? I'm not talking theory this morning. I'm talking about what's going to drive you to live for Christ. I'm not just talking some religious talk. I'm talking about the way that I want to live and the way that you ought to want to live, driven by Christ's love for you. I look around and I see faithful servants of Christ. And I know there's only one way, the only way that folks could be driven. I look at my, my father who, <coughs> who comes, and he's only a couple of years behind Dr. Williams in age, comes every week. Nobody here to see him. Nobody here to give him any credit. He doesn't get paid to do it. I've never even asked him to do it. In fact, I've offered to pay somebody so he doesn't have to. But he comes in, takes out that mower, and mows all this grass by himself. I thought, man, when Joe goes, Joe, he, he and Joe used to do it together. When, I thought when Joe goes to college, we're going to have to hire somebody. No. no. What well, makes him do that without complaint? He's driven by Christ's love. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I praise him. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I fill my life with his word. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I bear his name gladly. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I separate my life unto him. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I enjoy the fellowship of God's people. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I spend time interceding for him. By the way, I'm not telling you how wonderful I am. I'm testifying for all of us this morning. This is why you do what you do. This is why you're passionately driven to sacrifice and do what you do. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I serve him. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I gladly tithe of my income. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I give sacrificially over and above my tithe. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I teach Sunday school. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I vacuum the carpet. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I cut the grass. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I take care of the church finances. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I cook for special occasions. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I serve food to guests. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I clean up after the event is over. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I come to special meetings on a weeknight when I'm tired, I have to get up early the next morning. I come because he loves me and I love him. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I sing with all my heart. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I miss the service to work with the kids in the nursery and junior church. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I sweep the bus. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I raise my hand and say, I'll bring some gifts for our college students who are there preparing to serve the Lord. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I come faithfully and stand and greet people as they come into church. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I do that very difficult work of knocking new doors for Christ. 
Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I pass out tracts. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I strive for one accord in Christ's body. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I fight sin in my life. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I distance myself from worldliness. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I endure mockery of people who make fun of me for being a Christian. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I'm faithful to church services. Because Jesus loves me and I love him, I look and act and talk and sing like a Christian. Now hear me carefully, we're all done. Hear me carefully. Don't hear me saying, because I am not saying, see there, if you don't do those things, you don't love Jesus. That is not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is those of you that do such things and other things, it's because you are driven by the love of Christ. And I simply encourage you this morning, cultivate that love. Cultivate that love in your mind and your heart every single day. It'd be a wonderful thing if we'd look around at the church property and all that happens here and all the activities and all the events and all the ministries and all that God has blessed us and allowed us to do. It'd be a wonderful thing if you could get here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning and just watch the people pour off that bus every Sunday. It'd be a wonderful thing if you could come out to weekly soul winning and just watch people get in their vehicles and go out and ready to just go by and invite people to church week after week after week. It'd be a wonderful thing. If you come Sunday night, Wednesday night, and just see people who went to work just like you did, tired just like you are, getting up early tomorrow morning just like you are, but because they love Jesus and they know he loves him, them, they serve him. I'm not saying if you don't do those things, you don't love him. I'm saying if you do those things, you've discovered Jesus loves me. And I love him. Father, I pray this morning that you'd help us.